The mystery of Marukopa has been solved. Something we've not had much of in recent times is the tiny King Country settlement of Marukopa welcomed news a family of four missing for 17 days are safe and well. It's all good. Bring the babies home. This is a family that experienced 17 days of, of hell, really. This is a community that experienced 17 days of hell. In the end, they'd been living in a tent in the bush about 15 kilometres south of Marukopa. They walked into the family farmhouse this morning. Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, the happy ending to an ordeal that kept the nation on the edge of its seats for 17 days. Tom Phillips and his three young children are safe and well, but it has left many confused, frustrated and even angry. Today I talked to News Hub journalist Karen Rutherford who covered the search and formed a close bond with Philip's sister Rosie. You know, lots of middle of the night text messages and things like that and she is a really strong, stoic, wonderful woman and um, I thought I would probably hear it from her first because we had been talking so much but I actually got a call from work and I just could not believe it. I was thrilled, absolutely overjoyed, because I was really starting to believe that they'd gone into the sea. Because just from that, the story you did that day and from the locals you talked to, a lot of them seemed to think that they would turn up. I sort of had a feeling about three days ago that he wasn't in the sea. There was a real sense that um, he is such an incredible incredible outdoorsman and very au fait with the area and a lot of people thought that if something had gone wrong um, he would be able to fend for himself and his own family said no matter what's gone on if he is out there he will be prepared and he will be keeping the children safe and that's one thing they were quite adamant about. Uh, They were using uh, a tent, they were in dense bush area And that's kind of the initial information we've got around their living situation over the last couple of weeks. But I did come across a couple of people in my time in Manukopa that first week who were struck by road waves. And the surf was just ferocious while we were there. And the more I watched it and the more I sort of talked to people, I thought, well, maybe, just maybe he has gone into the sea. And that's what his family had started to think as well. And knowing how terrible the conditions are out here, we thought that it was likely. The um, police largely, you know, the guys that specialise in the sea conditions gave us some pretty grim facts and um, we were braced for a four to six week wait for returning the bodies out of the sea and um, as every day passed with no sign um, and the conditions that, that sort of were on land as well, just sort of hope dwindled and just became more and more resigned and sad, deeply sad. Was that the first time you'd been in that area? Because, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a place that I think a lot of New Zealanders don't know anything about. It's somewhere I had never been and never dreamed of going, really. I mean, I've been all over New Zealand, but I had no familiarity with that particular part of the coastline. And I was absolutely dumbfounded by its beauty from the moment we arrived. It did have a sense of sadness because people were kind of confused and unsure what had happened to the family and you kind of got a little bit of that vibe as you drove in. But when you see the views and the coastline and the bush, it was very moody, very eerie. Um, The weather would come in quite quickly um, and you'd look out to the ocean and the waves, they were just ferocious. 
And when you got there, was that the day that the police first said Thomas Phillips and his three children are missing? The last sighting of the group was in Marakopa on Saturday the 11th of September. Uh, the vehicle used by Thomas was found by a family member at the beach at Kiritahiri on Sunday the 12th of September. Very late at night, um, police put out a release that uh, a man and three children were missing. And I got that very early hours of the morning. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to hit the road really early. And we talked about it at work. And I think um, there was a real sense of, oh, you know, you'll get halfway there and you'll turn around and they'll be found. And that's just the police being overly cautious. But no, it was a very different story. Once we arrived, you could feel the sense of urgency in the community because this is a guy who knew who to, how to look after himself and these kids have grown up um, being in and around the outdoors and the fact that they had been at the family farm on the Saturday. Tom Phillips lived in a cabin on the family farm. He would bring the children there at weekends. He did a bit of homeschooling there during lockdown. But he also had a home in Otrahonga and um, when he left, his parents' home that Saturday night, there was a real sense of, oh, he must be just going back to Otrahunga. And um, they didn't really think anything of it as a family until the Monday morning um, when one of the locals contacted them. And there was a kind of a little bit of confusion, I think, initially, because people thought, why didn't the family ring the police quickly? But they just didn't think anything of it. They thought he'd gone back to his home in Otrahunga. And this is a big farm that they live on um, in Marakopa. And his cabin is... is nowhere near the house so um, had he gone back to the cabin they might have you know it wouldn't have been unheard of that they wouldn't have seen him for a day or so anyway. His um, four-wheel drive was found at Kiritahiri Beach right right by the surf right the, the surf was breaking yes. over it. So when we first arrived we went to the local marae and uh, this is this is an amazing place Kiritahiri Beach because you drive in over this little one-way bridge and on the left-hand side is a, a bit of a tribute to a, uh, a local chap who died sadly six months ago and, and a whole heap of people were there mourning and paying tribute to him when we first arrived. And then on the other side of the road, you've got the marae where they were all frantically starting to gather food together in the kitchen and feed the search parties. And um, there was a real sense of everyone just mucking in. And um, I came across Conan, the chap who found the ute quite early on, and we had him in a nice story on that first day. And he was a very shy guy, young Māori boy, and he had found the ute facing out to sea. And I just seen the truck from half smudged in the scene. And the keys were in the car. It was quite bad weather that weekend, big, big swells, four-metre swells. And when he got to it, he could see the waves coming up over the over the vehicle. So his uh, relative actually moved the car to get it out of the water. And there was a bit of confusion with police initially um, about why the car had been moved from its spot. And that was all part of that early investigation. And when you first got there and, you know, went to the marae, you know, this is such an isolated place. I just wonder how people felt about the media and outsiders being there. 
I think it's all in the way you approach things, and we were very respectful in the way we approached um, the local queer who was Nora Hopukia. She was just phenomenal. They were pulling out all the stops as a community to get behind them, to feed the searchers, to just provide a safe um, piece of, you know, shelter for the search teams to come in and grab some hot soup, grab the mints on toast, they put the billy on, and we were included in that. It was really quite special. And Karen, a willingness to talk to you about the place and where Tom might be. I think there was more of a willingness right at the beginning than there was after he was found, if I'm honest. Um, People really wanted to... um, they were desperate to find Tom, Jada, Maverick and Eva. See, they used to come out here quite often. The grandfather used to come here um, diving up the beach here and bringing the boys with him, so did the father. Yeah, and we can't understand what's gone wrong or where he got. It's just quite tragic to see something like this happen out here. They're a well-known family in this area, and Neville and Julia, his parents, um, They've been there for a long, long time and everyone wanted the best for that family and they wanted them found. And if it meant talking to the media um, and feeding us and and making us feel welcome too, they were happy to do that. Um, So it it was really, it was a really neat um, sense of everyone pulling together. After he was found, no one wanted to talk. I think there was a, a very deep set sense of, confusion and a little bit of frustration potentially that uh, Tom Phillips had been in the bush all that time. A couple of people who would, would only speak to me off the record said, look, this is what we, we always said it happened. This is what we told the police. They're really happy that the kids are OK, but they're a little bit grumpy with Tom, that would be fair to say. Was there anger? I want to say guarded anger. Uh, some of the older members of the community um, were were a little bit guarded. They wanted their the standard line. Um, and, and let's be honest, there's only about 30 permanent members of the community and only about six or seven of them were there the day he was found um, that we could even find. Um, and we spoke to four of those and all of them were very much of the line that we are so thrilled the children are safe. This is the best news ever for the children. Tom can look after himself, but we're thrilled that the children are safe. Although, I mean, I have read some articles in in recent days. Well, one particular farmer says he was amazed no one came to him and asked questions. He, He lived very close to where Tom Phillips and his children were camping. Yes, I spoke to him, yeah. So that particular gentleman lived way up on the ridge on Mangatoa Road, which is the road where a local saw Tom Phillips and the children on a bike last Wednesday morning at 5.30am. We rely on our community as our eyes and ears, and particularly in this search. Um, We were contacted by um, a local member of the community who was driving through the Kiritahiri area, who observed a male and three children uh, on a bike and um, contacted police. Um, we followed, uh, followed up on that information and as a result we obviously deployed um, some air assets to try and um, help identify whether the family were in fact in that area. It was interesting to cross local farmers who lived on Mangatoa Road, and this is a really remote stretch of gravel road which heads to Aukino and it 
it, it basically has about six homes that we came across and I knocked on four of those doors and one of the farmers said to me, I know this land, this is my farmland on either side of the road and no one knocked on my door and he found that surprising. By the same token, we're talking about hunters and farmers and people that don't go out of their way to um, perhaps liaise with authorities they don't need to. Um, he may not have known the extent of the search. I'm not sure if it was him or another local who said that Tom Phillips should now be paying for that search because it was extensive. That particular gentleman didn't say that to me. There, there were um, some locals who felt that potentially um, that should be an avenue police should go down. Um, I, I think the wider Ultrahanga area, there is some um, feeling that perhaps um, there should be some kind of contribution. But just today, uh, Sunday, I, I have literally just had communication from uh, Julia and Neville Phillips and Rosie, Tom's sister, and they've sent out uh, a statement and a, and a beautiful photo of Jada and Maverick and Ember playing cards around the family lounge room um, at the family farm. And they are looking really happy to be home. And in the statement, it says, you know, Tom is remorseful. He is humbled. He um, he is gaining an understanding of, of this uh, horrific ordeal that he has put us through. And he attended the local um, marae and went to see Iwi with the children to say, I'm really sorry for what I've put you through. And his family members accompanied him in that visit. So I think that locals will be heartened by that apology. But there is a sense that a lot of searchers did put their lives on the line looking for this man and his three children. There was obviously something going on with Tom Phillips that sort of pushed him to this kind of extreme situation. It was not unheard of for Tom Phillips to go bush. He could have existed in that bush for a year if he wanted to. He was so accomplished when it came to um, hunting and, and living off the land. Um, that's that's how he grew up. His grandfather, his father, they've all grown up that way. So for Tom to exist out there for weeks and weeks and on end was not unheard of. And, and the children, they were outdoorsy kids. I mean, one local said to me, you know, we used to see them in nappies learning when, when they were little, little babies learning to white bait. Um, and so he would have provided for them one thing the family made very clear to me when we had that first exclusive interview with the sister. She said, if he has been prepared and he has planned this, he will be out there looking after those kids and they will be absolutely fine. I'm hoping for the best that Tom's camped out somewhere, that he's just chilling out somewhere with those kids. I know he's got the skills to take care of those kids for an extended period of time in the bush if necessary. And that comment gave a little bit of a hint as to the fact that he perhaps was just going out to um, clear his head a bit, um, find a safe place, and for him the bush was a safe place. He'd had um, a number of issues over the years, uh, custody issues with his former wife, which, I mean, I, I, I don't need to go into that. That's, that's no one else's business but theirs. But there had been some difficulty in recent times, and I think he just needed some time out. And the kids, as far as they were concerned, according to the family since they returned, it was just an adventure. And they may not have even known any different. But I do think um, that Tom Phillips, where he was in that bush, he would have heard the planes and he would have been very aware that there were aerial searches at least going on. 
I did go to the bush area where he, um, near where he was found. Um, he was obviously a long way in, but I mean, I went literally a few meters off the road and it was so thick, thick dense bush. And you couldn't even see, you know, um, daylight through the canopy. But he would have heard those planes buzzing the area. And police are adamant they did go down that far, at least by air, even if they didn't knock on doors with local farmers in the area down there. Mm. So the suggestion is that he was he was aware that people were out looking for him. And, that, and also perhaps that he had planned this well ahead and had stocked up somehow. I put a lot of thought into this. My cameraman and I, we, we thought of all sorts of scenarios, as did I think most of the locals, and they felt um, there was a sense that he would have stopped up. But um, from what I gather from Tom's family, he's just um, very good on the land. And there were so many goats and pigs and pheasants and turkeys, you name it. We crossed paths with all of them in the, the many days we were there in Marakopa and they're just roaming wild on the side of the road and up the hills. I mean, you literally drive down the gravel roads and a wild horse will be standing in the middle of the road or a beast um, or a goat, you know. There was no shortage of food for Tom Phillips and he could have very easily existed on, uh, on very little. I understand he did have some rice, um, but when it comes to foraging, um, I think those children would have been living off some fairly good, wholesome, <laughs> um, natural food. <laughs> and you were out there just about every day with with the many people, you know, the surf lifeguards, the local people, the iwi, the family and the police. We're committed to bringing uh, Thomas and the kids home and we will continue until we've done that. Helicopters, drones, a fixed-wing aircraft, even local farmers on foot. Everyone here wants to find Tom Phillips, 8-year-old Jada, 6-year-old Maverick and 5-year-old Ember. Were there particular days when people just thought, no, this is hopeless, when you got a sense that they have been washed out to sea and you wouldn't see them again? I think those first few days where they were really focusing on the land and the bush and the, the rugged farmland and they were looking at uh, whether there had been any trailblazing and a lot of the Landsar volunteers were going up into the hills. A lot of the locals were going around the coast. Police did warn them and they said, please, thank you for your help, but please do be very careful and leave it up to the experts because that coast is ferocious and, um, as I say, rogue waves were coming in around that time. So a lot of the focus initially was on, on the land searching. And then a few days in, uh, the surf lifesaving clubs from Taranaki and Tauranga and Raglan all arrived. They brought the IRBs and uh, police had their drones up. And then they focused their search on the sea. Um, there was a lot of bad weather. So the aerial search teams were sort of on and off. Um, the helicopters were up, the fixed wing uh, coast guard planes were up, but they were called off quite regularly because of the high winds and uh, and the rain that was coming through. But the family continued to think that they would come home safely? As time wore on, um, certainly the messages I was getting from Tom's sister, Rosie, she was becoming more and more despondent. She really felt that he was potentially in the sea. Um, that, was, that was sort of her personal view. I understand other family members genuinely believed that maybe he might come home. Um, I think there were 
mixed feelings within the family, but they were really, really just holding on to any semblance of hope, really, that, that he was alive. But there was just nothing coming back in terms of evidence or any kind of hints that he might be in the sea or in the bush until uh, last Wednesday when a local saw a man on a bike with three children. Mm. And then it was it was clear that, that he was out there. What do you think something like this does to a community, you know, that is so isolated and lives in this very wild landscape and obviously has a number of really strong kind of characters? I think this is the kind of community that is pretty tight-knit anyway. Um, But this has thrown a little bit of uncertainty and confusion into the mix because you've got a chap who has gone bush and he has put people through the ringer let's be honest um all the locals were were out there sort of all hours of the day and night searching for him and many of them particularly from the iwi kept searching even after the official search was called off it'll all come out in the wash they're they're a really good bunch Mm -hmm. um i'm you don't get the feeling they're the kind of community that's going to hold grudges um there are some though that really felt tom was always in the bush and that didn't come out until after he emerged. Um, and the benefit of hindsight is a wonderful thing. But we had a catch up with a few of them um, on Thursday night uh, where we were staying. And, you know, after our live crosses finished, the, the door opened and half a dozen of the locals turned up with a few beers and drinks and plonked them down. And they had a big plate of nachos. They said, oh, we... We heard you were living off home kill, that, that one of the others had brought you as home kill. We can't have you eating that. Here's a big plate of nachos. <laughs> and we sat down for sort of four hours, chewed the fat. And you know what? We didn't really talk a hell of a lot about Tom Phillips. Um, they just wanted to talk about other things. And they welcomed the company and, and the community. It's an incredible story, isn't it? And, of course, we don't know everything yet. I think this is a very private family and... They have their own um, own things now to deal with. They'll hunker down and they'll shower Tom with as much love and support as he needs. And, you know, we, we all have our demons and some people have different ways of dealing with it. And as his sister said to me, if this is his way of clearing his head and having some space, that's what he's chosen to do. He's chosen to go bush to do that. And he did nothing wrong in a sense that he was um, taking his children and he had custody. He was allowed to do that. But there is obviously that that element of why did he park the car where he did? Why was it made to look like potentially he had gone into the sea? Was that intentional? And if so, why? And should he be culpable? Um, So lots more questions to come out of this, I think. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded by NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Alexia Russell produced this episode and Jeremy Ansell engineered it. Thanks to Karen Rutherford. Kakite anō. Ka